I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio recording right across the table from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. How are you doing this week? I survived Colorado. There was one show where someone was like, you're saying Colorado wrong. And I'm like, no, I'm literally not. (laughs) But yeah, I did survive. Shout out to all of the Unhappy Hour fans who came out. Oh my gosh. To meet so many people, and it was so much fun. That's wonderful. I have some shows right now in November in Delaware on November 12th, and then November 13th in Syracuse. I'm doing a charity show. Yeah, because I'm so charitable. You're a saint. So you can get tickets to those on my website, and um, I'll announce more as they come along. Love it. Anyway, what's coming up on today's episode? Well, we're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. And after that, we're diving deep into all of the worst fall activities. Because if you invite me to pick one single apple, I swear to God, I will riot. And finally, we have a big one, folks. Podcaster, comedian, speechwriter, a a fellow professional ranter, host of Love It or Leave It, and co-host of Pod Save America, John Lovett is on the pod. John and I bitch about everything from elves to gay icon Jar Jar Binks to horses. You know, just all of the normal stuff. Completely <laughs> normal conversation. No, it was so much fun. We're so excited to have him. I know Emily Favro and Hannah Beechor are fans of the pod. Hey. I've heard. So oh hello. my gosh. Hello, hello to them. Anyway, so let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, worst things first. Let's chat about the stupidest, most ridiculous, worst news of the week. A lot of great stories this week. First, the city of Rome, once the seat of an empire that spanned the globe. Isn't that the one that was like, the sun never sets on Rome? I don't fucking know. Okay, read one book in your <laughs> life. Jesus. Ask me about like history. Louise Mary Alcott or whatever her fucking name is. <laughs> Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> has been invaded once again, this time by garbage-seeking herds of hungry wild boars. <laughs> so basically, there are roves of wild boars wreaking havoc all around Rome. Entire families of wild boars, they've become a daily sight in Rome. Groups of 10 to 30 boars, young and old, they emerge from 
all of these parks that surround the city and and they go throughout all of Rome's streets. I guess Rome is kind of notoriously overflowing with with garbage. Relatable. Yeah. So people on Twitter have been posting wild boar videos. It's become something of a sport on the internet. I will say that is terrifying. Like rats are not great, but wild boars are huge. And now I'm just picturing that what if they team up with the rats? They could fully overtake the city. Yeah. Destroy our government. I mean, we don't have wild boars, thank God. I'm assuming the rats in Italy are way more occupied. They're they're rolling pasta. <laughs> they're kind of putting together meatballs. Mm-hmm. I mean, where do you think Remy was inspired? You know, the French, but also the Italians. Yeah, he was inspired by that chef. I know. That's, <laughs> That's like canon. the point of the whole movie. <laughs> Relatedly, this is breaking news. This just happened. Of course, by the time you hear this, it will be several days old. This just happened today. At first, when I heard this, I thought it was related to the wild boars that were around Italy. No, a separate wild boar attacked Shakira. No, Shakira protected at all costs. Shakira and her son were walking in Barcelona in a park and they were attacked by a couple of wild boars. That is so scary. They, the two of them were unharmed, but they stole her purse and got. <laughs> what are the boars going to do with her purse? They now have her cell phone, I'm sure, with all of her intimate photographs. Oh my God. You know they have access to the cloud. Yeah. All of her truths are on there because famously her hips do not lie. <laughs> So the boars, they took off into the woods with her bag, which had her phone in it, and, quote, destroyed everything. She was eventually able to recover the purse, which was completely torn open. I'm surprised that of all of the singers and celebs, they went after her because she's famously a she-wolf. Yeah, in the closet. Yeah. So everyone in Europe, basically, you need to, you need to be on the lookout because none, none of you are safe. Per a report from the BBC, Barcelona's police department has received over 1,100 phone calls about wild boar attacks in the last five years. And finally... A missing drunk man in Turkey, that's the the country of Turkey, accidentally joined his own search party (laughs) and looked for himself for hours before he realized that he was the target of the rescue mission. Icon, legend, we love it. We love him. Getting so drunk, you look for yourself. Isn't that what we all do every time we're drunk? Yeah. So according to local media reports, this 50-year-old man from this rural region in Turkey, he was out drinking with his friends. He wandered off into a nearby forest. As one does. I... Every time I get drunk, I'm always wandering into forests. Like, ooh, what's this? And everyone's like, where's Matt? Where's that squirrel going? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, he's in the fucking forest again. Trying to find the Keepler elves. So he didn't didn't return from the forest, and all of his friends were worried about him, so they alerted authorities who set up a search and rescue mission to find him. And according to the Turkish... (gasps) That's where Turkish delight comes from. Good job, Matt. Famously from Chronicles of Narnia, I always used to want Turkish delight so bad. Do you think that's the forest that he was lost in? Possibly, yeah. The forest of Narnia. Mm-hmm. 
How did I get here? (laughs) So according to this Turkish TV channel, efforts to find him intensified. They spread to nearby neighborhoods. There was this large group of volunteers that joined the mission. And the search party was calling out his name for hours when suddenly a man from within one of the groups spoke up and said, wait, who are we looking for? I am here. Also, what did everybody else think that they were looking for? Yeah, was there not like a picture with the lost sign? How would any of those other people know when they found him if they could not (laughs) see him standing next to them (laughs) searching for him? They said it is unclear how the man found himself in his own search party or how his friends didn't realize that he was right under their noses (laughs) the whole time. Police were able to escort him to his home. Fun fact. Not even the first time this has happened. Okay, new goal in it is life. To, this was the first time it happened to this man, but in 2012, an Asian tourist who went missing in Iceland was also found at her own search party after she reportedly failed to recognize her own description. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's about how you see yourself. It's not about the image that others project onto you. That's that's what we've been taught, you know? And now you're telling me we're supposed to listen to everyone else to tell us what I look like? No. This poster describes me as a four, but I'm an eight at least. (laughs) So, no, that couldn't possibly be me missing. And that is it for this week's Worst Things First. If you want to hear and see even more stories, you can head to my Patreon, patreon.com slash where you can see video of bonus stories. You can get a special separate podcast feed that's basically a bonus episode that shows up right in your podcast app. We got bonus stories every single week. So that's basically a bonus episode, an extra day of unhappy hour stuff. So you can head to patreon.com slash I will have the link in our show notes. It's a great way to support me and support the show and support my gay porn career. So next, we're diving deep into fall activities. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Well, it's fall officially. The leaves are are thinking of turning. It's getting slightly chillier outside, which means my nips are getting slightly harder inside. And of course, that means that there is a whole slew of season-specific activities that I'm expected to participate in in these autumn months, most of which, dare I say, are trash. <laughs> So let's get into it. Here are the worst fall activities. First, mother fucking apple picking, bitch. Anybody who's seen The Wizard of Oz knows that apple trees are assholes. Yeah, they are aggressive and they use their fruits as weapons. Yeah, all of their fucking faces. They all have faces. They all have dark souls, <laughs> dark energy. And just because it's like, oh, we're picking your genitals or whatever. Get over it. <laughs> the idea that those apple trees would be affronted by someone picking the one thing that they have to offer to the world. Also, it helps them. And don't they start picking themselves and they're throwing the apples at Dorothy, which is frankly misogynistic. That's abuse. (laughs) Woman abuse. 
not not surprised l frank Baum or whatever his name was why does it have to be the wizard of oz that's what i want to know the point is apple picking has become in recent I, I don't know why it is the one fruit that we have collectively agreed we the common people should go out and participate in 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 harvesting there's so many fruit trees out there yeah and you know it's probably more fun to pick berries. Oh, absolutely! I've that because that. that is actually built in evolutionarily to our <laughs> our DNA. I, on a cellular level, am a gatherer. <laughs> My brain is designed for picking up berries, nuts, seeds, all Not types. Not getting of fruit. up on a ladder, and also doing fr- paying to do labor for a farm. Yeah, you're you're paying to do labor, but also you're doing something. That you you could go, you can buy an absurd amount of apples from a grocery store for like five dollars. <laughs> you could literally like kill someone with an amount of apples that you could buy <laughs> from the store. And guess what? Every apple, if you open it, it comes with the directions to make like a whole other grove of apple trees right in the center. Wow. Yeah. You're talking about seeds. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And you can eat them. Don't let them tell you you can't. Well, won't an apple tree grow in your stomach? No, because you'll shit it out, which is what it's designed to do, okay? That's why when I eat an apple, I exclusively shit outside. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, That's what I gotta do. help spread those seeds. I do that all fall because I, that is what nature expects of me. Right. That's the good fall activity. The bad one is going to an apple orchard and picking apples. Next! Corn mazes. Why? The amount of corn mazes I have been in in my Midwestern childhood. (laughs) Absurd. I don't know what kind of M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) fucking activity that we all decided this is normal for us to participate in every fall. Yeah, there's something deeply Midwestern, I suppose, about making the most out of the fact that the only thing we have to entertain (laughs) ourselves is stalks of corn. But, like, it should concern everybody that we are turning just a shitload of weeds into a, a, a maze that we send children yeah, into. And, like, do people even do that anymore? Do people just, like, let their children loose in a maze? And it's like, the whole point of this is to get lost. So, bye! <laughs> it's just, like, a great way to, like, if you don't have a babysitter that day, you just drop them off at the corn maze and you'll, yeah. you'll pick them up at the end. How do they even run? I guess we have drones now. You can always fly <laughs> one up and kind of take, take the child out if you need to. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know how how did they operate corn maze? Did it was it like a like a, a a coat check? Like you, everyone gets a number, and then you have to reclaim your child to, no, to make think, sure it made it all the way through. I think you just kind of go loose. Yeah, I never I never want to willingly get lost in a field of corn. No, absolutely not. Frankly, I never want to be in a field of corn ever. Next. Another fall activity. A lot of these came from a real simple magazine list of fall activities, one of which was rent a cabin in the woods. (laughs) All right. So Johnny Depp can murder me (laughs) and then take my dogs to Australia and lie about it to the Australian government and then blame it on my wife. Wow. I think that's what happened. Sure. Sure. I don't know. Also, that is an activity that is year round. You can do that year round. Iconically, a spring, summer, fall, winter vibe. Yeah, you want to be in a cabin in the woods in the middle of summer? Ugh. I mean, if it has air conditioning. 
No, we're talking about a wood cabin, fucking <laughs> Abraham Lincoln ass cabin. Okay, okay. Yeah, I never, the idea of like staying in a cabin in the woods is not that appealing to me. No, staying in like a nice house in like a, a wooded area sounds great though. Yeah, whatever the version of glamping is for a, a, a log cabin, that's mm-hmm. what I want. Lake house, it's a lake house. Log, log clamping, log glabbing. Glabbing, yeah, glabbing. Log glabbing. <laughs> that I would do. I love to pretend to be Abraham Lincoln. Are you kidding me? Wear a big hat and be gay. <laughs> You're already halfway there. <laughs> and then die at the theater in the middle of a performance, making it all Steal about me. the show. Yeah. Love that for him. Next. What is a haunted forest? Yeah, I added this to the list. Was this not a thing for you? Every year, Dad, I love you, but my dad would take me to a haunted forest, uh-huh. which is the worst thing imaginable. It's literally a forest with a path, and then you pay to go through it and have people chase you down who have, like, chainsaws and shit. And it was my absolute nightmare. And it was just like, oh, I mean, this is more Halloween culture than it yeah. is just fall. But it is something that wasn't just during Halloween. It was like a fall activity was like, go to a forest and pay to be fucking terrified. Yeah. See, my version of this, which is related to another item on the list, is a haunted hayride. Oh, yeah. Which would be similar. I remember going to one place where it was like a hayride through a forest and then things would jump exactly. out at you. But it's kind of like you're in you're in a, a in a ride. Yeah. But yeah, relatedly, a hayride, it's like, oh, do you want to sit in the least comfortable vehicle that you can possibly <laughs> imagine on top of the least comfortable material that you can possibly imagine? Just bounce around for an hour (laughs) while a bunch of dead grass just scrapes your raw skin off of your ankles and thighs. Because, yeah, I'm getting on the hayride with my thighs fully out. And finally, bobbing for apples. Closely related to the first item, because apparently you go, you go, picking apples and then you end up with so many gd apples you just have a soup of apples you have no idea what to do with them so you just what put them in a barrel full of water and then ask your guests to dip their faces in the same bowl (laughs) by the way not a covid friendly just a bathtub full of apples (laughs) that everyone is sticking their wet mouths into and spitting by the second person that is just full backwash (laughs) you're just dipping your eyelids into a bunch of other people's spit all for what the price of getting an apple between your teeth like i could just get one from the store as we've discussed yeah every day go into the store i bob for apples i never use my hands at the store (laughs) when i'm picking produce Anyway, everyone have a great fall. Unfortunately, this will most likely be the last one that we experience because the globe is warming fairly rapidly. Guess what? All of the trees will be on fire next year. So enjoy it while you can, everyone. I hope you have fun. At the very least, next year, we'll all be able to look at the pictures that we have hanging on our bunker walls of the beautiful fall foliage leaves. Fall foliage. Good night and good luck. How are you sober right now? (laughs) And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got John Lovett on the pod right after this commercial break. 
I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. My guest complainer today will be familiar to so many people, former presidential speechwriter in the Obama White House, uh, co-founder of Crooked Media, co-host of two of the biggest podcasts, Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It. Welcome, John Lovett. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is so nice. I feel like uh, we our our podcasts are our kindred spirits, and yes. we're finally we're finally together in one space. And I want you to know that I'm going to show you the respect of my fully gay voice. You're getting the full <laughs> 100% dial to 11. I demand it, honestly. I, I expect them. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the presence of a fellow gay. So, you know, this is the place to let loose. We always start with what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? I have two. I have two options for you. That's allowed. And I feel as though they're both relatively bold. I feel good about them. Okay. Um, one requires a little bit more nuance because there's some appreciation, mm-hmm. but I do believe the uh, um, overall the culture has embraced this too thoroughly, even though there has been some backlash due to the creator's politics, but not enough on the creator's creative choices. I'm talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> okay, I'm, okay. I'm talking about is I Harry Potter. I was expecting like, yeah, I, I don't know, Tesla maybe So He's bracing um, for it. <laughs> here's the thing. All right. Listen, nobody told me when I got a Tesla he was going to be anti-vax. <laughs> See? They're electric cars. I thought they were great. They are great. And then all of a sudden this guy, get him off of Twitter. Yeah. All right? So back to Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the journey I took with Harry Potter, which is I never read the books. Uh, I think I was just a little too old to read them as a kid. And then... Uh, I was an adult mm-hmm. surprised by how many adults were reading Harry Potter. As a rule, I have different tastes than children. That's just something that I have found over time. So I was surprised by how many adults said they were worth reading as an adult. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. In During the uh, the pandemic, my partner and I, we decided we were going to watch all seven, eight movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was excited about that. I'd only, I think, seen maybe the first one. You get to the Quaron movie, which is the third movie. It's actually really well made. There are some interesting choices in the way the story is 
shot in the third movie, the fourth movie, the fifth movie. Mm-hmm. But when I got to the end of this thing, I was like, that's it. There's no... <laughs> uh-huh. So so they go bing, bang, boom, and uh, there's no real twist here. You just kind of no, yeah. count to seven. You, you break up the seven horcruxes, and then... Um, you, that's it. You know, you land one final blow, and sorry, spoiler, Voldemort dies. Right. We, we should say that at the top. We are going to ruin Harry Potter for everybody, uh, story-wise. But here's the thing. There are other twists and turns along the way that I can understand were, like, really exciting and interesting and, and, and emotional spoilers. Uh-huh. I get that. But I got to the end of this, and I was like, I don't understand why people are so enamored <laughs> of this world. And then... You're, you're then then J.K. Rowling, uh, she's a she's a famous author, right? Yes, who wrote the Harry Potter books? Jane Jane Karen, I don't know. Obviously, obviously, she has um, decided, despite her vast success and wealth and ability to draw our attention to a host of serious issues across planet Earth, to become a trans exclusionary radical feminist, right. kind of attacking um, uh, trans people, which I think is a wild fucking choice, uh, but. Uh, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe J.K. Rowling is doing this. And then you look at these movies and it's like, have you seen these? This is a world in which children are sorted from a very young age, according to immutable characteristics. Harry Potter uh, is anointed because of things he did not do mm-hmm. and events that took place when he was a baby. Uh, events from which he cannot escape and cannot change. And the uh, uh, the natural order is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. She, they send all the Slytherin kids to the dungeon, which is a a, a, a quality they were assigned as as little children, little kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it, she seems quite obsessed with with how we are divided, what are our kind of traits that can't be changed, no matter what we do. Right. And um, I didn't care for that. I didn't care for that. <laughs> the, the the signs were there all along. We should not have been surprised. <laughs> we should have done a deeper psychological reading of Harry Potter from the beginning. I mean, look, yeah, like Harry's good at sports, but like, yeah, I don't know. It seems like Hermione gets a gets a rough deal. She's doing everything. She's the smartest one. She's just second fiddle because she's not the chosen one. Right. Well, right. you know what? In this life, there are no chosen ones. All right. <laughs> Sure. We just do what we do the best we can. All right. Now, if you're going to come at me and say the books are different, that's fine. Uh-huh. I accept that. I can't argue with you. I have no idea what is in those tomes. That I was do not. That know. was my. I follow-up. will never know. Right. Was so you never read the books. You just went right page. for the movies. <laughs> Got Correct. It. Got it. Yeah, you got the gist <laughs> of it. There are definitely even more questionable parts in the book. Um, yeah, Hermione has a whole kind of like uh, elf rights campaign um, that is and, and the sort of message underneath it is like actually elves, they want to be slaves. And See, <laughs> so that's kind of a whole thing. The signs were there. Yeah, the signs were there. They really were. And we we missed all of the signals and everyone was very shocked when it came out. Uh but yeah, you know, I, I feel like you are, this is a valid one and it will upset in a number of people. No, I, and here's here's the key thing. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> if this up, I don't, I don't. That I is don't the care. most important kind That's of really attribute important. to bring. And, and I'll also say, if there is 
a, an upcoming film in which there is a young, hot Dumbledore being mm-hmm. super gay and like going out and clubbing in London. I'll withdraw all of this. Right. If we can have a real gay origin story, uh, kind of um, Fantastic Beasts colon It's a Sin. Right. But I don't think that's going to happen because I don't even think they'll let Dumbledore kiss. Well, because of I've... these honchos, because of these Hollywood honchos, you know, they're worried. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't seen the full announcement, but I am getting a producer note um, that they literally announced today, as of this recording, <gasps> uh, a movie called The Secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure it's not going to be like, you know, <laughs> secret Dumbledore. number one. He's a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to see what bathrooms <laughs> Dumbledore is in. <sighs> but it's what we I deserve. I'm sorry. I didn't know I was going to say that either. We've all thought it. So here's the other thing. All right. I have a similar problem with Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> so he has to get to Mordor mm-hmm. and throw the ring in. Mm-hmm. And then he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I thought would have been cool is if at any point in those nine hours, uh, there was what in in the in the industry we call a twist sure. uh-huh. of any kind whatsoever. Uh, but no, doesn't happen. They just slowly make their way to throw the ring into the thing. I don't really learn very much more about what make the, makes these people tick. Um, there's a lot of very interesting and, and cool battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to the end of this thing and it's like, I thought maybe the humans would redeem themselves in some way, that somehow there's, you know, this elf that gave up her immortality to be with Viggo Mortensen, you know, Liv mm-hmm. Tyler and Viggo Mortensen, will they or won't they? Uh, they do. There's no real plot ramifications. No. I don't believe uh, Orlando Bloom and the dwarf ever kiss. <sighs> no, sadly, they didn't. Yeah. And that was a real missed opportunity, too. I do. I what mean, what a crush I had on Orlando Bloom, though. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I Orlando mean, Bloom as an elf. <laughs> I don't know what no, it was because nothing about that, like that. It was the pointy ears. Okay, that's that's a specific fetish that I haven't quite heard before. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. You know, we have Dumbledore with his long flowing hair. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have Legolas mm-hmm. with his long flowing hair and pointy Legolas, ears. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, I'm drawing comparisons to some pictures I've seen of, you know, anybody that you may or may not be partnered with. But if as far as I can tell, he does have long flowing hair. So that this all yeah, tracks. I guess, hey, look, I, I would. <laughs> yes, I see what you're getting at. I see you. I see what you're saying. Uh-huh, I would uh-huh. say Ronan is has. If you were going to decide what kind of character Ronan would play in the Lord of the Rings world, pointy yeah. ears would probably be on offer in in the trailer, <laughs> in the makeup trailer. Yeah, you know, I, they I, wouldn't give him they wouldn't give him a beard and a and a metal hat and a little axe. They'd mm-hmm. probably give him a bow and arrow and some pointy ears. I yeah. see what you're getting at. Uh, but I do I do appreciate that um, when you were talking about Harry Potter and the you know you got to the end of the eight movies and felt like okay it's over. I literally I mean. That's just sort of like, you know, the end of anything is kind of like, well, it's over. (laughs) They they did the thing. That's true. Yeah. And that and that seems to be kind of the same the same critique of uh, of Lord of the Rings is that they kind of did what they set out to do. And there were no M. Night Shyamalan kind of twists thrown at you. I just found it to be not. 
these maybe part of it is that I went in with these higher expectations because people hold both Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter in such reverence mm-hmm. that like I assumed that the storytelling had some great power or magic or right. um, surprises or uh, emotional resonance or interesting sentences uh, in it. Right. Yeah. No, it, there's not. <laughs> it's just, you know, the the worlds are are different enough from where we live and everybody is like, you know, it's an escape. It's an escape. And mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm defending. There's plenty of defenders. And all else. And, and also it's like I got, you know, in a couple of those um, uh, uh, Harry Potter movies, it's like, let's go to the bl- bank where the tiny greedy uh, yeah. men gather the money. <laughs> and I was all right. All right, JK. Yeah, All that's right. not that's not a great. Not sign comfortable either. with this. <laughs> not comfortable. Reminds mm-hmm. me of in uh, in uh, um, in Phantom Menace where there are these incredibly insensitive racial caricatures, and there's this sort of like vaguely Israeli slave owner who's like, "I want the money. Hey, <laughs> give me the money." It's just disgusting. Yeah. What, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah. Who is Jar Jar supposed to be? Can I tell you that I um? Have you heard of the Darth Jar Jar theory? Do you know what I'm talking about? I I recognize that phrase, but I don't know much about it. So basically, there was this theory, and the theory was that George Lucas had introduced Jar Jar Binks as this annoying, silly, uh, bumbling figure in the mm-hmm. first film, because that character was supposed to be part of a big twist. Uh, in the end of the second film, in which you discover that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord pulling all of the strings. Sure. And that then, after the reception to Jar Jar was so awful in the fir- after the first film, he abandoned the plan, made Jar Jar a much smaller character, and introduced uh, uh, either General Grievous or Count Dooku, but an alternate villain. Mm-hmm. And people went back through the first movie and found all of these little moments where you could buy that there are hidden secrets that Jar Jar is actually pulling all the strings that seems bumbling, but is actually doing a kind of martial arts, like drunken martial arts that looks bumbling, but's actually in charge that 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 Jar Jar is doing uh, force tricks all the time throughout the movies that you would have otherwise have missed. Uh-huh. And I love this theory because it made sense of the world. It made sense of what George Lucas was doing. Someone who created Star Wars had gone back and made this prequel that was so nonsensical and so strange in its choices. And actually, there was a great plan, and these movies were could have been something amazing instead of what they became. And so um, I was a plus one with at a birthday party, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, who do I see at this event but George Lucas, a guest <laughs> of the party. And I say to Ronan, I was like, I'm going to go ask George Lucas about Darth Jar Jar. And he's like, do <laughs> not do that. Do yeah, it seems like one of the topics that. that I would list first of do not ask George Lucas about this at a party. Oh, can you imagine something? Like, it is so obvious that if you see George Lucas... You do not go up to George Lucas and say, I have a question about Star Wars lore. You just so clearly are not supposed to do that. Right. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. But I, Ronan was like, don't, please don't. And I was like, I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so, so I waited for my moment. And there was a moment where Ronan and George Lucas and two other people were having a conversation. And I, I kind of went in and I turned to George Lucas and I said, hi, my name is John Lovett. It's it's so nice to, to see you. I, I uh um, can I ask you something? Because I don't believe you've ever been asked this before. And he was like, oh, he had this look on his face that was like, 
He knew what he was, was not in the improv game with me. There wasn't a lot of yes and, you uh-huh. know. And I said, so there's this theory on the internet called Darth Jar Jar. And he goes, what? And I said, basically, that you had a plan for Jar Jar Binks. And I walked through the whole thing. I mean, I walked through the whole thing. Uh-huh. I, I got to the end of it. And I said, so is there any truth to that? And he looked at me. He looked at me like I asked him if he liked Mein Kampf. Like he looked at me like I asked him something so revolting and obvious and stupid uh-huh. and wrong. It's like he was like, "No, no, yeah, there is no truth to that whatsoever. Never thought of it. No, absolutely not." And I'll tell you what I took away from it. It's true. Uh huh. It's ap- Darth Jar Jar <laughs> is real, and he was playing, and. Uh, it was the plan, uh-huh. and he's you know he's playing coy. He protested, but George knows much. what he did. Yeah, he knows what he did. Yeah, he protested too much. Exactly. Uh huh. How do you feel like this episode is going so far? <laughs> I think it's great. I, we've we've learned a lot about um, your investment in the fantasy world. I do worry a, li- a little bit about. See, initially I thought, okay, you you must have gotten very into this theory in quarantine, um, in in the mm-hmm. pandemic. But then you said no. you you met George Lucas at a party, and I was like, was okay, before. this goes back. This goes this back goes way back. Way back. Yeah, this goes way back. So I can only imagine what you got up to in the last year year and a half. Um, so you're you're in the in the crooked studios. You bet. You bear the burden of of being the 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 gay representative in the kind of bro sandwich that is John Favreau and Tommy Vitor. Um, so you've been reading some of my fan fiction. <laughs> the um, <laughs> yeah, no. So here's one thing I would say: like every once in a while, we get tagged as bros, and like God help us if we are br- that as broy as the, as as progressives get uh-huh. right. Like. This is we. This is my look. They are my heteronormative boys, but they're not. These are not bros we're dealing with. I know. I know bros. Mm -hmm. These are no bros. (laughs) um, Is what I'd say about that. Uh huh. I went to Northwestern, which is uh, has a very strong fraternity culture, and Mm -hmm. everybody I went to school with thought that they were the frattiest kind of bros ever, and it was. It could not be farther from the truth. So uh, b- that is my kind of like threshold for bro. It's it's lower mm-hmm. than most, I mm-hmm, would say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a way of, of, of explanation there. Uh, yes. I mean, look, there is a um, I think we have a great they. <laughs> I think if they were really bro, this would not be successful. Right. Right. Yeah. And I say that as somebody who was a closet case when he was applying to college and I was like, you know where I should go to school uh-huh. as a burgeoning young gay person in America? I should go to a sports college in rural Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is like the best place for me. So I know from bros. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know from bros. Well, we both made it out on the other side of mm-hmm. of the bro adjacent. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm farther away from bro culture. But yeah. How often do you feel like you have to explain gay culture Oh, there was some. I, uh, there was, there was something they had not seen. It might have been. It was something like Death Becomes Her. Uh huh. They had like not heard of Death Becomes Her, and I was just sort of reminded that like, oh, <laughs> right, right. There are things that we see that they they couldn't possibly imagine. That's right. Yeah. Did they know what poppers were at the very least? Because that that was that was kind of in the the zeitgeist. <laughs> Recently. That's a really good question. What do John, John and Tommy know of poppers? I don't know the answer to that. After we finish recording, 
I will ask them what I will ask them if they know what poppers are. Okay. I assume they I assume they've heard of poppers. I assume right. they've heard of poppers. By now, yeah. Um sure, sure, by now. Right. There's by there's now. been some investigation. <laughs> Um, yeah, by now I do like the, the other reading of that could be, you know, yeah, they've experimented, but who knows? I, I, who knows? We don't have to delve into there. We'll get them on the pod and, and ask yeah. them directly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's for you. That's for you to ask later. Yeah. That's for you to ask later. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, are starting to do live shows again, including one here in New York. What, what can people expect? So love it or leave it is a comedy show in which I am joined by journalists and some of like my favorite comedians and experts and politicians. And f- we started in 2017, and it was a live show. We did it every Thursday night at the Improv in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. then we would kind of take it on the road and do it at um, theaters across the country. And then we kind of obviously had to re- reinvent the show to be remote mm-hmm. over the last two years. And I feel very proud about uh, how we did it. Like, I, I think the team did an incredible job of figuring out a way to make a Zoom version of what was a live show work. I think a lot of other, a lot of audience-based shows kind of had the same challenge to figure out, like, how do we make this funny and entertaining without the kind of community and energy of a crowd? Right. But starting this Thursdays in Los Angeles, we're going to be doing an outdoor show in L.A. Mm-hmm. every Thursday. And then that culminates in New York. We're going to do a big show as part of the New York Comedy Festival at the Beacon Theater on November 12th. And, you know, the last big show we did for Love It or Leave It was in New York at Radio City. And at that show, Stacey Abrams came. Jesus mm-hmm. and Marrow came. Uh, with Stacey Abrams, we launched this new fund to raise money to fight voter suppression and to register voters. And so, like, what we try to do with these big live shows is... We try to bring some big guests. Uh, we try to find a way to really engage the audience and make sure they feel like they're not just at a comedy show, but they're part of a community and they can find ways to give back. And, uh, you know, we try to blow it out. So I am, I cannot tell you how excited I am yeah. to be able to do this in front of crowds again right. and to like get that feedback because I have absolutely no idea what's going on with my tone, you know? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, that was that was my next question is, are, are you uh, are you worried at all about being in front of a crowd again? And, and you know, it's been a, it's been a long time since pre pandemic days. Yes. <laughs> sure I say I that also I'm like fully projecting uh, myself because, yeah, the idea of speaking in front of a crowd now after a year and a half of, of being in front of a Zoom camera is horrifying. My hope is that the friends of the show that are going to come to our first live show back are coming with a sense of camaraderie, mm-hmm. compassion, excitement, and enthusiasm that will allow us to get through some of the moments where I forget that I'm no longer in my house wearing sweatpants, but actually in front of 200 people. Right. What I love about doing Love It or Leave It is like, it's a really close relationship with the people who listen. Mm-hmm. I do feel like they get to kind of know me and know my take and are supportive of the show and what it's trying to do even when certain things don't work and they fall apart while we're on stage and people are kind of along for that ride too and that's funny too like we have had segments from before when we were live that just sort of came apart midway through the show but that's funny too yeah uh like that's okay and um i'm also just excited to talk to people again and kind of get that direct feedback and like get people in a room and see what happens Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's part of the thrill of live shows. It's like the the prospect at any moment that everything could absolutely fall apart. 
that is that is part of the thrill. Uh, that's part of the, you know, everyone we're on this roller coaster ride that could absolutely collapse beneath us. I really do feel like there's a lot like doing a political comedy show as well. Like I remember one thing that happened in the first couple years of doing the show. I remember like feeling the journey like, look, this audience is self-selecting. They are mostly you know, younger, progressive, politically engaged people, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. is not a Trump diner. And, you know, I'm not like a New York Times reporter asking Trump supporters why they still like Trump. But even though it is a self-selecting group, I found it so valuable to kind of, like, hear from people over time. So I remember I made a joke about Hillary Clinton sometime earlier in 2017, and there was, like, kind of, like, discomfort. And I realized that, like, oh, we're not ready to joke about that yet. We're still, like... Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> it was a little bit like uh, dad got us in the divorce and we're still mad at mom. We're not ready to joke with mom yet, you uh-huh, know? Uh-huh. Like, we like we know it's not her fault, but we're still mad at a deeper level. And it was, and we're still mad about what happened in such a way that we're not ready to think about our role in it. We want to hate the villain. We right. want to focus on the villain. And it was really interesting to watch over 2017, 2018, 2019 even, in front of audiences to watch people get as audience members, as as a greater perspective on what was happening in the country mm-hmm. and seeing what they were open to change. And so, like, that's a pedantic way, I think, to get at why I like doing it in front of a crowd. But I do think about that, that, like, you do see over time, you get a real feeling, not just what people find funny or not funny, mm-hmm. but in a deeper way, what people are thinking about, what they're open to, what they're considering, what they're curious about, what surprises them, what doesn't surprise them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I find that really useful. I find that really useful and 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 sharpening both as somebody trying to tell jokes in front of people, but also as somebody thinking about the best way to talk about politics uh, in a studio uh, once or twice a week. Right. Yeah. And I suppose that this will be the first um, set of live shows in the kind of Biden era rather than the Trump yeah. era. So uh, not to say that we're like out of the out of the woods because, you know. We're not. <laughs> nope. But perhaps there's a little like uh, there's a little bit of a lighter air to things. Well, it's interesting, right? Like it's a double edged sword. On the one hand, it is absolutely true that the set of specific threats mm-hmm. that Donald Trump as a person with the powers of the presidency poses that he doesn't pose right now. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely mm-hmm. true. But at the same time, if there's any lesson about the t- about the period that led up to Trump becoming president, it's that one of the reasons he was able to do so is that we let our guard down between elections. We absolutely do. And people are people. Like, I, I did this. We all did this. Like, we did it. You know, we put in a ton of hard work. We went through an incredible crisis as a country. Four years of Trump, two years now, almost two years now of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Got to start getting comfortable calling it a two-year pandemic. But I understand why, like, in in January, February, March, April, May of this year, people were like, you know what, I need to, like, I want to help in the future, but, like, I got to take some space from politics. I've been Mm -hmm. drilling down into politics for years now. Um, And so I think it's about giving people the space to figure out how they want to pay attention right now Mm -hmm. in a way that's the most productive. Like, no, you're not going to be glued to the news the same way you were in October of 2020. But throughout 2021... Keep staying in the fight. Right. Keep paying attention. 
look for ways that you can help because the decisions we make right now in 2021, how we organize voters, how we raise money to fight voter suppression, the infrastructure we help build, the, 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 the races like in California and Virginia we invest in, like that will pay dividends in 2022. Right. Yeah, you all started a, a campaign called No Years Off, right? That's no Off Years. No, no off, off Years. years. <laughs> no Off Years. Well, the reason I remember is because uh, the mascot is Noof the Eagle. Mm. Uh, just <laughs> N-O-O. Right. It's, you get it. Yes. You get it. Noof. Yes. Uh, but so No Off Years, yeah. So <laughs> if you go to votesaveamerica.com, uh, you can sign up for No Off Years. But the idea was basically, look, <laughs> Trump isn't president, but the the... The challenges, the anti-democratic forces, the 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 crisis in uh, uh, our politics, like it remains. And so if you want to help right now, here are some targeted ways that you can donate and volunteer to make a difference in some key states mm-hmm. so that we go into 2020 when we all really start getting in the fight more, and really start paying attention that we've done the most work we could in advance. Right. Yeah. We're getting towards the end. A couple of um, of tweets of yours that I'll have you elaborate. We call this elaborate, which is where you've expressed your hatred of something, um, and I'll have you elaborate on it. Okay. One one recent tweet was uh, about truffle oil being absolutely disgusting and a scam to increase margins on fries and mac and cheese. Yes. Um, so I think like what I was trying to say in that tweet mm-hmm. is that truffle oil is a scam <laughs> to increase the margins <laughs> on macaroni and cheese and French fries. That is the subtext. So, I, I didn't read into it. So that's, it. yeah, that's yeah. sort of, you know, like, you know, famously Twitter flattens the context. That's the context you need to understand what I'm trying to say. Right, right. Uh, I will walk into a restaurant and suddenly realize I don't know that I can eat here because there's truffle fries somewhere in this room right now uh-huh. and it is it is overwhelming me and it is this uh, it is like a virus it is like a uh, a spreading plague of like everywhere you go a restaurant will have like french fries or macaroni and cheese or some other food item and then there will be an option you can add truffle oil for 2 to 5 dollars mm-hmm. yes if you would like you can have 5 cents of synthetic truffle oil manufactured mushroom juice drizzled over your food for a $5 premium. You can do that mm-hmm. if you want. It is gross. It I like I find it I don't understand it. I don't understand why people like it. I don't understand where it came from. Yeah. My my beef with truffle fries in particular is that it's never an equally distributed flavor. It's either there's always one or two fries that are the the straight from the ground and then the rest of them just kind of have a a, a whiff of it <laughs> i truly like my i remember when i was a chubby little boy my grandfather said that jonathan he's a good eater i will eat anything uh-huh. i love food all right i love trying new foods i love trying new kinds of foods new 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 types of cuisines from all around the world uh animals of various kinds that i've never seen served i'll go for it all right yeah. i'll go for it I've eaten crickets in a taco. I will go for it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But everything you, you just line. said, I will I it makes me like it's it's like the closest thing I have to like, you know, uh oh, you know, he saw a family being murdered near a cantaloupe and now <laughs> if he sees cantaloupe, he faints. Like that's that's my version of that. Like it's almost as if there's some sort of childhood trauma yeah, associated with truffles. We have to investigate that further. Uh <laughs> This one, I you tweeted this um, a couple of times actually. And, and, oh, no. and I'm I'm 
fascinated mm-hmm. by what what um, dr- drives this impulse, which is horses must fucking hate us. This isn't you disliking something so much as you assuming that horses must hate us. But it is a thought that you have had a, in a recurring way. Um. Well, first of all, I apologize for reusing material. One thing you should know <laughs> is that um, like I do not take tweeting very seriously, and I would say like. I don't know when that tweet is from, but if I had to guess, it is probably between, say, 9 p.m. at midnight, <laughs> which um, I would call uh, the edible window, yeah. perhaps mm-hmm, you could call mm-hmm. it. Um, unwinding at the end of the day, having loose and disconnected thoughts. What better place uh, than Twitter to put down these half-baked ideas? Yeah, uh, I, be- I am sure when I said horses must hate us, I was watching something where a horse uh, was being hit on the side while running in a circle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand what goes on with the feet, with the shoes. Uh, they, they, they seem to be attached very um, deliberately. Beyond that, I can't say. I just think they don't like us very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that this is a, a recurring thought. I think it is like the images of your subconscious that kind of keep coming up uh, that they they demand to be to be said, to make sense yeah, of them. It sure. is disturbing Absolutely. you deep down. My guess mm-hmm. is going to be that it has something to do with a jealousy over Legolas and his relationship right. with the horse. And I just hope that That's you find it, it in the inner peace that that you need to get past this kind of deep deep feelings about horses it's interesting as you bring up lord of the rings like elijah wood i think he's about my age and he was this kid star and like as a boy i had like a lot i had i didn't have the words for it but at the time i realized now in hindsight as a little kid i had such a crush on elijah wood Uh uh-huh uh when he was in like like uh, he was just in a bunch of movies, like The Good Son and like that era. Like I remember, I remember I saw the the, the movie Good Son. I was like, I should not have been allowed to watch it. I am really scared. <laughs> um, but then that transferred to Legolas, mm-hmm. uh, and then to Ronan. I really do have a type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we accomplished anything today, it's that we got to the root of that. So, uh, <laughs> which is that's that's truly what I what I want to achieve here. Um, well, on that note, <laughs> um, you know, we, we mentioned that you're, you're doing live shows. We mentioned, um, that they can check out no off years and, and vote save America. Uh, do you think this else? conversation, do you think people listening to this conversation are going to get to the end of it and be like, I want to check out this guy's live show? Or do you think they're going to be like, <laughs> I'm good. I hope so. I think, uh, I think the unhappy hour audience it doesn't take much to motivate them. So uh, this is, we got them. We got them. Yeah. So check out, go to, check out our pods. Come to a live show in LA or New York. It is very fun. Um, and we also have uh, a great new show from Jason Concepcion called X-Ray Vision about the Marvel Universe and about uh, um, uh, a bunch of different, uh, about, about nerd culture. We have the show 544 with Jason Resign, a new docuseries coming out on Spotify that like, is the true story of what happened when he was held hostage in Evan prison in, in Iran. Like we have a lot of great stuff coming down the pike. So check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. This is fun. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we could take to make our world a little bit better. What are we highlighting this week? Well, 
In honor of our guest, and we touched on this during our interview, but I wanted to highlight No Off Years. It's the Cricket Media campaign that John Lovett mentioned. Just to uh, elaborate on what he said, No Off Years, the idea is that just because it may not be an election year doesn't mean we can we can let our guard down and just assume that someone else is doing the work. So the goal for No Off Years, at least this year, is to support groups and organizers that are sort of laying the groundwork in a bunch of key states ahead of the 2022 midterms. So that's supporting like volunteer opportunities, targeted donations, education on what's at stake next year and beyond. That's also fighting gerrymandering in a bunch of key states, helping register new voters, all of these specific things. So we'll include the link in the show notes. It's just votesaveamerica.com slash no off years. We'll include those links and you can go check that out and give your give your time or your money or your eyeballs. Moving right along to the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what have you been watching? I haven't been watching anything new, but I'm very excited that Insecure and Curb Your Enthusiasm are coming back. Oh, yeah. So I have been watching those trailers and I'm very much looking forward to it. What about you? I did start watching Sex Education from the beginning. Ooh. I've seen it all before, but it's been long enough where before I start season three, I want to start from the beginning. Yep, yep, yep. I also forgot Hannah Wadding. Waddingham? Yeah, she's in it. She's Yeah, she's a mom. Yeah. In it. A also, gay mom. Ted Lasso, right. And honestly, the one thing I've been watching a lot of that is more internet heavy is a bunch of clips from the Conan O'Brien show. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's because we, we watched the Emmys. Conan famously got snubbed at the Emmys. This yep. was his last year qualifying for his talk show that ended. And everybody expected him to win, but John Oliver won instead, which is fine. John Oliver is great. But Conan, like, trolled the entire Emmys ceremony. Yeah. And then I was like, I just love Conan. I always have. And he has such a great YouTube presence. And they put all of his clips and, like, all of his, his like, field pieces that I really love. So mm-hmm. I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of Conan clips. Nice. What is your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is our Instagram account. Yeah. I it's been so fun to be interacting with listeners. Last week we like were asking about what wedding photos you hated and people's responses were amazing. We were asking what your chasers were for the week and people's responses were so wonderful and it's just it's been such a great way uh you know to just feel like we're we're really getting to know the listeners even more. I will say for most of the time social media makes me so sad but our Instagram really brings a lot of joy. So shout out to all of you listeners. And if you don't follow us, do it. Because it's truly me and Matt who run that thing. So we're the ones responding to you. Yeah. I also posted a clip from our, our stoned episode. <laughs> yes. And I truly have watched that clip myself like 40 <laughs> times. <laughs> a lot. Don't worry. We There will only be more stoned content in your futures, everyone. We have heard the calls and we, we will be providing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you? What's your non-TV chaser this week? Well, besides Denver and, and getting yeah. back on the road and getting to meet everybody, including getting some gifts, including <gasps> a gorgeous, stunning vinyl edition of Cats. Amazing. Shout out to the lovely people who gave me that. So thoughtful. But also, I wanted to shout out, I went to, for the first time, I'd never been, the um, the drama bookshop. The drama bookshop is like an institution here in New York. It's over 100 years old. Um, 
I think or it's, it might be like around 100 years old. It's been around forever. Uh-huh. It almost closed down in, in the pandemic and then or it did close down. And then like Lin-Manuel Miranda and a bunch of other Hamilton people like bought it and kept cool. it running. <laughs> uh, so it's sort of like a theater, uh, a theater like institution. Mm-hmm. They sell a bunch of like play scripts and like it's a bookstore. Yeah. It's a bookstore. Uh, for like Broadway people, but and like play people, you might uh, a bookstore for drama, you might say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's probably where the name comes from, <laughs> right? Drama bookstore. Right. Yeah. 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 So I went there for the first time yesterday and spent a lot of money on books. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've also been getting into the. I mean, this was, I think, one of my chasers the first week of the pandemic, like last year, but like reading plays along with listening to like the audiobook version of them. There's so many, a lot of them are even on like Spotify. You can huh. get them for free or like audible will have stuff that's like included with their subscription. I'm also listening to the picture of Dorian Gray. Cause I'd never read that mm-hmm. by Louise Malk. <laughs> Just kidding. Oscar Wilde's homophobic. Um, and it's it's narrated by Russell Tovey, who you don't know because you're also homophobic, doubling down on your homophobia. But it's it's I just when it's like an actor who's not just like reading a book, but like actually like dramatizing performing it. a book. It's like, yeah, it's not just dramatizing. It's like they're reading the text, but it's like it's not just some nobody narrator being like, here's the words on the page. Yeah. They're delivering it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, plays, audiobooks, the drama bookshop. And that, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if I do say so myself, is it for this week's episode. So thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. If you want more Unhappy Hour shit, and obviously you do, you can head straight to my Patreon page. You'll get video of bonus Worst Things First stories that were cut from this week's episode, video of our extended guest complainer interview, and an entire separate podcast feed that has all of the bonus content every single week. So it's like a second day of unhappy hour stuff that you get every single week. Patreon.com slash You can also buy merch at unhappyhourshop.com. As always, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get podcasts. Follow us, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, Arlena Revelo, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Dale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter and Unhappy Hour on Instagram for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. the thread on that one.
But yeah, anything that involves going through... Uh, uh, oh my God, Matt just started scratching the top of his head and made that sound. 